A parent is supposed to love and protect their child, no matter how young or how old that child is, no matter the mistakes that that child makes and no matter if they don't agree with their child's lifestyle. A parent's love is supposed to be unconditional, but in some cases it proves not to be. And some parents do the unthinkable to their children. It's your host, Dominica Black Girl Talk Crime, and today we tell the story of Steen Fenrich. Let's get into it. Steen Keith Fenrich was born on September 13, 1979, to his mother, Wanda Gray, in Dix Hills, Long Island, a rural suburb in Suffolk County, about an hour outside of Manhattan. Steen's mother would go on to date John David Fenrich, a white man who was a self-made carpenter and roofer, as well as a member of the National Guard, when Steen was two years old, and would go on to marry John, who came from a family full of NYPD officers, sergeants, and detectives sometime in 1987, thus changing Steen's last name to Fenrich. I only mention John's race because it's very important later on. However, the two will soon welcome another child, a son named John David Fenwich II. Steen would go on to graduate high school, attending Half Hollow Hills High School East, a top-rated public school, also in Dix Hills, and was considered popular amongst his peers. His neighbors would later go on to say they would always see Steen rollerblading and jogging through the neighborhood and how he was a friendly person. After graduating high school, Steen would go on to join the U.S. Army at just 17 years old in July of 1997. He would go on to be stationed at Fort Jackson in South Carolina as a food service specialist. Not much is known about Steen's time in the Army except the fact that he was discharged just nine months later in April of 1998 for undisclosed reasons. He would then come back to New York City and settle in the Bayside section of Queens with a boyfriend. You see, Steen identified as a gay man, and back in the 90s, being gay was anything but a walk in the park, and many believe that's why he was discharged from the Army. The U.S. Army had formally excluded male, sorry, gay and lesbian women from joining the Army up until 1993, which President Bill Clinton passed the Don't Tell don't ask, don't tell law, which basically allowed them to serve as long as nobody knew their sexual orientation. Some believe that the army did in fact find out that Steen was gay and that's why he was discharged. The gay community in New York City during the 90s was dealing with homophobia, especially due to the AIDS epidemic that was sweeping large cities all over the U.S. at the time. The gay and trans community were being murdered at an alarming rate at this time as well. Parents were kicking their teenage children out of their home for being gay, and many of those teenagers were forced to live on the streets and take care of themselves. The city proved to not have come a long way since the Stonewall riots in 1969, where the LGBTQ community began to protest unwarranted police raids into the clubs they were allowed to party in. In the 1990s, the community still faced backlash and shunning, and Steen was no different than countless others who faced problems in their home lives based on their sexual orientation. On September 9th of 1999, Steen's boyfriend would see him for the last time leave their queen's home. 
And it said the last time Steen was actually seen alive was leaving his parents' home in Six Hills. It would seem as if Steen fell off the face of the earth and absolutely no one would report him missing. Everyone just thought he would come home soon. Or maybe they thought that the police wouldn't take the report seriously as he was a gay black man. Not even Steen's own mother reported her son missing, which is quite mind-boggling to me as a mother. Because if one of my kids goes missing, I don't even care if it's two days. I know you have to wait 24 hours, but after that 24 hours, I'm putting it in a report, right? Any mother would do that. So the fact that Wanda didn't put a report out for Steen's disappearance was a little weird to me. But at this time, Wanda had her own legal problems to deal with. Her and her husband were charged in a criminal case for federal mail fraud and filing false automobile insurance claims, totaling nearly $300,000 in three separate incidents from October of 1992 through 1998. Her husband, John, would even go as far as to self-mutilate himself to try and prove these claims. This man had fractured his own wrist, cut his ear and his penis, sprained his own neck and back, and he had even cut off the tip of one of his fingers in order to gain the money. So clearly, um, John is not mentally all the way there, right? Anybody that can cut their own finger off just to get insurance money is crazy. Like, there's no other word to describe this man. He's unhinged, um, and something is clearly not right. Which And when I was researching the case, I actually um, Googled their home. Their home, the home that they lived in during this time, was absolutely beautiful in Long Island. And I was wondering, well, if John is just a, a little carpenter, roofer that just does in and out jobs, how are they able to afford this home? But once I started digging into this case and seeing that they were doing a lot of mail fraud and just fraudulent activities with money, period... I started to realize, okay, this is how they're able to afford the lifestyle that they're living. Um, six months would go on with no sign of steam. When on March 21st of 2000, a man at around 5 p.m. Um, was walking through Alley Pond Park, a park not far from the apartment that Steen shared with his boyfriend in Queens. This man would find a grisly, unimaginable scene. When cops got to the scene, they found a plastic tub Inside was a foot with some decomposing flesh still on it, parts of a pelvis, as well as a skull that had been burned clean to the bone with acid. On the skull, in black marker, were the words gay, N-I-G-G-E-R, number one, along with a series of numbers that cops were later determined to be a social security number. Cops would run the social security number and it would come back as belonging to 19-year-old Steen Fenrich. That night, police would go to the Fenrich home in Long Island to tell them that they had found Steen, although they did not disclose in what condition they had found him in. When asked who they thought would do this to him, Steen's stepfather, John, told police to look at Steen's boyfriend, claiming that the two had had an argument around the time Steen disappeared. But when they questioned the boyfriend, he denied these claims and was cooperative with police. The police would speak to others who were close to Steen as well, and after gathering all the information, they had a suspect in mind. 
none other than John D. Fenwick himself. Police, sorry, people close to Steen would tell police how John basically hated the fact that Steen was gay. And who else would really know Steen's social security number by heart to put it on his skull? It was as if whoever did this to Steen felt bad and wanted him to be discovered. However, me personally, when I researched the case and I found out that his social was written on the skull, I automatically knew that it was somebody close to him because people just don't know people's social security numbers, right? Um, it was definitely giving they felt bad and they wanted him to be found. Um, and this was not a very smart criminal, right? Because people that don't want to get caught don't leave such a big piece of evidence like that. Um, police wondered that if wondered if there was issues um, with the fact that Steen was an African-American male. And this is why I mentioned John's race in the beginning of the episode. Because, like I said, with him being Caucasian, as well as the N-word being written on the skull. And not just, you know, people say there's a difference between N-I-G-G-A and N-I-G-G-E-R. Um... Some people say there's no difference. Some black people use the A ending as a term of endearment um, and say the ER is a more racial thing. You know, there's debates around this word. But because Steen's skull was found with the ER at the end, police did believe that it was racially motivated as well. Um, yet what John did next was unlike a grieving parent and was by far just weird as hell, period. At around 4.30 a.m. the following morning on March 22, 2000, 36-year-old John Fenrich called the news desk at News 12, a Long Island television station, saying that he wanted to be interviewed because the police at the 111th Precinct in Queens had just told him that his son had been found dismembered and that he wanted to take his own life. News 12, obviously taking this threat seriously, contacted the Suffolk Police Department and told them of the man's threat to shoot himself. Only problem with John's story, the police never told him or his wife that Steen was found dismembered. So at this point, they knew for sure that they had their suspects. And on top of all that, who calls a news station asking to be interviewed after just finding out that their stepson had been brutally murdered? That's just not a person. That's not a thing that a, a normal sane parent does. When police arrived to the Fenwick family home at 5:20 a.m., John was able to run to the roof of the home, where he had a shotgun and pistol waiting on the roof, while Wanda and their 15-year-old son John Jr. were downstairs with officers. John would begin to start shooting in the air, and in a neighborhood as affluent as this one. Neighbors were obviously terrified and confused about what was going on, saying that the Fenrich family was always such a quiet family and they couldn't understand why this would be happening. Police would even begin to evacuate the entire neighborhood, taking the majority of the neighbors to a safe location in a high school close by, as they didn't know if John would start shooting at people. John would begin to start walking back and forth across the roof, talking, screaming, yelling, sitting down, as well as smoking cigarettes. It was reported later that he was drinking beers and even began vomiting into the chimney. He begged officers to shoot him. So at this point, it's clear that he's unhinged. 
Um, and officers are, officers are literally trying to talk him off the ledge. They even called one of his brothers, who was a Queens homicide sergeant at the time, thinking that that would convince him to come down, but it did not. John would continue to yell from the roof of, about how bad of, of a father he was and kept telling police to shoot him. After a seven, almost eight hour standoff, John would ultimately grab the pistol and shoot himself in the head. Although he was still alive and police got to him, but he would later on die at the hospital. Steen's mother, Wanda, who was 52 at the time, would tell reporters, quote, I have a double tragedy here. I need solace. I'm very depressed. And I wonder, because like I said, Wanda was 52 and John was 38. That is a huge age gap. And I was curious to find out how they met or how they even began dating. Um, And I was unable to find out how they met. But I was just always curious about that age gap. It was very weird. (laughs) Um, However, Wanda was left to deal with the legalities of her and her husband's insurance scams. Um, Like I said, they had all these, they were just scamming, period. Um, Once John died, she did have to go to court. The last court documents I found was in 2004. I don't think she serves any jail time, but she did have have to pay back a hefty amount of money. Um, Wanda is still alive today and is 74 years old. Her son, John John David Jr., excuse me, is also thriving. He is an actor. I was able to find certain, like, little things about him online. Um, However, I did not find anything about them paying homage to Steen. Although Steen does live on in the LGBTQ community, I was able to find a lot of things online on their websites about Steen. So I was very happy about that. Um, I know there are parents out there that don't necessarily agree with their children being gay, transgender, or lesbians. But as a parent, it is 100% our job to show our children grace, mercy, and love at all times. It's a shame that Steen was not given that. And I would like to think that in the year 2023, we've come a long way when it comes to tolerance and loving our own. This is Dominique of Black Girl Saw Crime. I'll see you guys next week with a new episode. Have a great week.